0: I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried. And was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and happy are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy ones. For those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer in want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. For the time that is ours to spend together, I want to talk a little bit about blessing the Lord. Again, I say I am partial to Psalm 34, not only for what it says, but for what happened prior to the psalm being written. It is attributed to David, uh, a man after God's own heart. And I like to look at David because David didn't always do the right thing. Uh, And I don't always do the right thing. Archbishop Barron Ash once said that the issue with us sometimes in the Bible is that we read the Bible looking for heroes when we ought to be looking for friends. These are people who get frustrated like we do. These are people who get mad like we do. These are people who have trouble getting along with people like we do. These are people who are told to do certain things from time to time and don't always do it. And David did not do everything right every time, but they still said that he had a heart after the Lord. So here you have David in this time, and I won't read all of it for the sermon time sake. But uh, in your leisure time, you probably want to go to 1 Samuel right around about 18 through 21. To get the story and what was the build-up, because that explains a lot of what happened to David before we got to the I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, I'm reminded of a, a picture I've seen of Michael Jordan and, you know, Michael Jordan is attributed to be the greatest basketball player of all time. He revolutionized the game. The way he trained is the way... People now train to play the game afterwards. But this picture I see, he talks about in it how many times he was given the ball for the final shot and missed and lost the game. He talks about how many shots he's missed over his career, how many games that he's lost. And everybody calls him the greatest player of all time, but they don't understand that all of those victories came off of learning from the failures. He's someone who was cut from his high school basketball team in ninth grade, but went on to win multiple championships. This was someone who could not beat his own older brother in a game of pickup basketball, and his older brother is not playing professional basketball at all, but he's attributed as the greatest of all time. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is we look at someone where they're at and we don't understand the struggle that they went through to get to where they're at right now. And in order for me to truly appreciate Psalm 34, I appreciate it more because I look at what David did and what David went through before he was able to say that. Amen. The struggle, the story, everything that happened before that. So here you have David who's been anointed to be king, which is a great thing. The only problem with being anointed to be king by God is that there was already a king in place by the name of Saul. Can you imagine being appointed to replace somebody while they're still living Going back to the struggle and the story and everything beforehand, David was anointed to be king as a child, but did not become king until he was an adult. There was some time in between the anointment and the enthronement. There was a process. It wasn't just given to him. And during that process, there was a bit of conflict. There was a bit of struggle because Saul was still the king. Not only was Saul still the king, Saul had a son by the name of Jonathan. And normally, when you have a king, you're supposed to pass your inheritance on to your son, but you are sitting here looking at your replacement. Your replacement is coming to your house. Your replacement is eating your food. Your replacement is playing with your son, their best friends. It's a little difficult. So Saul wasn't too happy about that. Saul wasn't necessarily happy about being replaced while he's still in the seat. There's a process. There's a struggle. And so here you have Saul. And Saul has decided, well, I know how to take care of this. I'm going to kill David. So when David comes to work to do his job, play the harp in front of the king, Saul, when he finishes, Saul takes a javelin and tries to throw it at him. He throws it at him and tries to pin him to the wall, but he misses. So here you are going to work. Can you imagine going to work in your own boss, trying to do you in, your own boss, waiting for you to finish a presentation and then trying to pin you against the wall, try to make you look bad? Can you imagine being around some friends and they wait till you finish, so-called friends, and they try to pin you against the wall? And that's what Saul was doing to David. Ah, so David decided, hmm. I don't think I really want to go to work anymore. So he started calling in sick. Yeah. I'm I'm still in the Bible remember. First Samuel about 18 through 21. He decided not to come into work because he didn't want to get keep dodging spears after he played these right. instruments. So he called in sick. And he called in sick so many times that Saul said, I need David here. If he's sick. Bring the whole bed into the throne room. Because I'm going to see him. And he found out, he found out that David was not in the bed anymore. They had put some goat hair down to make it look like he was hiding. You know how when you're trying to hide and you want to look like you're in the bed, you put some pillows under the covers and everything. David tried that. And he was long gone. So David was on the run from Saul. David had nowhere to run and he went to the priest Abimelech trying to find out who knew and who didn't know. And he tried to get some supplies to go because was, he asked Abimelech, well, I need all the bread you can give me. And uh, the only bread he had was the shoe bread which was for a consecration. And David said, well, it's been here long enough. It's probably lost its consecration. I'm going to take the bread. I need to go. I need food for the run. And not only that, I need weapons. And they said, well, there are no weapons available except this one. And which one is that? It was the sword that was used to kill Goliath. Yes, we talk about often that David uh, defeated Goliath with the stones And that is true. But once he had knocked him down with the stone, he went to the Philistine and grabbed his sword to ensure the job was finished. And so they kept that sword as a trophy. So here we have holy bread that was supposed to be for the ceremony. And we have something that was used to kill the Philistine. And that's all he had. Sometimes when you have to go, you don't get your choice. When it is time to evacuate, when it is time to move, you reconsider your priorities. There are things that happen in your life when there's a storm that is coming, when you feel like your life is in imminent danger. Some of the stuff that you thought you cared about, you don't necessarily care about. It's no longer important. And so here he took what he could get He got the kind of bread he needed because he needed sustenance and he got some weapons that he needed, even though it was a ceremonial weapon and had been put up for a while. But he took what he could because he had to go. And then he met up with his best friend, Jonathan. And Jonathan said, I do believe my father is trying to do you in, but I'll know for sure when I go to dinner. So here you have Jonathan going to dinner and David misses one day of dinner. After already missing work and now David misses another day of dinner and Saul asks Jonathan, hey, where is David? Oh, he asked uh, what had happened was, see, um, he told me he had, he had to go home for a celebration. And so, you know, I let him go and Saul knew his son was not telling the truth. You know, you spend enough time around your children. You're able to figure out what they're trying to do before they try to do it. As uh, one person used to say, you can always stand a little more greasing because you ain't that slick. Uh, He knew he was lying. and So Jonathan went back and told him, David, you need to go. You need to get out of here. It's not safe for you. So he left. And when David left, the only place that he could go was Gath. Gath is not the place David needs to be. We we call it Gath, but they also called it something else. They called it where the Philistines lived. Uh, furthermore, if you need to break it down a little more, Goliath was a Philistine. So here you have David, who's been made famous for defeating the Philistine, the chief philistine warrior and he has to hide there and he thinks maybe they forgot who I am they didn't so here you have the most famous Hebrew boy at the time who's been made famous for defeating the philistine in philistine comfort country with the weapon he actually used to defeat the philistine they brought it before the king And, and David, David played crazy. David started walking and writing his hand on the wall and making sounds and everything. And they said, the king said, why have you sent me a madman? Get him out of here. And I stopped by to say that sometimes when you are blessing the Lord at all times and allowing the praises to continue to be in your mouth, it's not normal. It doesn't look normal. You'll have a smile on your face when people think you should be frowning. You'll be laughing when people think you should be crying. It's not normal. And David did something that was not normal to get out of it. And he retreated to a cave after all of that. And then after going through all of that, getting... Tore down on the job, losing your best friend, having to run and taking only what you could take with you, and getting in front of your own enemies looking for help and escaping them because you played crazy. After all of that, then he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. It's a process. It's easy to say I bless the Lord at all times when you've not been through anything, but when you've been through a little something, you appreciate it that much more. When you're able to look back at yourself and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? You appreciate it just a little bit more. It's worth more to you. I appreciate it growing up. My 89 Hyundai Excel four-seater, no power windows. Stick shift. I can tell you about the interior. I appreciate it. You know why I appreciate it? Because I had a job and that job was bagging groceries at Kroger in Indianapolis, Indiana on 86th Street. And what I did is I bought it from our landlord. I lived in Mrs. Edmonds' house who gave birth to a son by the name of Babyface Edmonds. If you might have heard of him or something like that, I actually lived in that house and she had a car and I had to buy it from her. And this house And this car, this 89 Hyundai XL four-door, I bought it from working my job at Kroger. And see, she sold it to me for $500 because it needed some engine work and it needed some transmission work, but I wanted a car. And that was the only way I was going to get a car, so I paid her $50 every other week for my paycheck until I got to 500 and then I did the same thing, to get the engine put in it and the transmission put in it. So it took me about a year and a half before I could actually own my car and pull it out the garage and drive it. So I appreciated it that much more to me That was a seven series. To me, that was a limo because I had worked for it. I could tell you how I bagged groceries and got tips and I can tell you how while I worked during the Christmas holiday, I got so many tips that day. I got about $100 in tips and I was happy because I'm two payments ahead now with that money. I took the whole thing and did that because I appreciate it when you work for something you appreciate it that much more and that's why David was able to work through something he had been through something and could say I will bless the Lord at all times because it meant something to him he thought about what he lost that whole time but in the fact that he lost all of that he still did not lose the Lord friends and family may forsake you your job may forsake you But the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. So he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I like that because there is no qualifying statement to that. There is no mitigating circumstance that there is no but clause in there. It is clear. When will you bless the Lord at all times? You will bless him and your praises will continually be in your mouth. Your soul will make a boast of the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I may sound like a broken record about this, but let us exalt this name together. Let us magnify the Lord with me. That implies that you are not supposed to do this by yourself. The Bible says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Hebrews goes on to say, Fail not to assemble thyself. We are supposed to worship in community. If the doors of the church were to close, would the community miss it? Would the church, would the community even know that it was closed? We are to worship together. You worship together, and you don't just worship in gathering, you worship in your work. The Bible says in everything that you do, work is unto the Lord and not as unto man. So how you treat people on the job, how you do your job is an act of worship. How you treat people is an act of worship. Gandhi said that he has no problem with Jesus. The problem he had is with the bride and the bride of Jesus is the church. So that would lead me to believe that he probably ran across a couple of Christians that didn't treat him too well. the church but you bless him at all times everything that you do should be as if God is watching even if nobody else is watching God is watching it's interesting that it says you know to praise the Lord at all times and that your soul shall make a boast of the Lord and I find it interesting when I was preparing for the sermon that they both bless uh, praise and boast come from the same Hebrew word. Same Hebrew re- root word. And it, 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 it involves offering yourself to God. I saw an example yesterday at this men's retreat I ended up preaching at where someone said, you know, if you say you're going to give something to Jesus, you can have a set of mints in your hand and you say, I'm going to give you these mints, but then put them in your pocket and walk away. Did you really give them your mints. Did you really offer them your mints? No, you did not. In order to give yourself to him, you have to give it to him and leave it. You can't take it with you. So you offer yourself to God. You are no longer your own. You offer yourself to God. I, the Bible says I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me. It is not my life. we are offering ourselves to God and then it says let the humble hear hear thereof and be glad that means that others are supposed to hear of it and be lifted those who are on the down and out those who are not feeling their best they need to be able to be encouraged by your spirit they need to be able to be encouraged by your countenance they need to be encouraged by how you feel and how you feel will be able to lift them up Time and time again, I hear about people being in certain situations when they're believers and they're around other believers and somebody just comes up to them and asks, what is it that has you always in a good mood? Why is it you are able to keep calm while everything is going on and falling apart around you? Because your hope is in the Lord. The hope is in the Lord. I am. I know everybody is enjoying these wonderful low gas prices. It's spectacular, it's a break on my pocket as well, but I also know that when the gas prices drop, the gas companies start to drop people. But because I know where my help comes from, while everybody else is getting nervous about it, I am coming into work calm. Because my help comes from the Lord. And even if they tell me, Johnny, I need your badge, and I need you to go ahead and walk out the door, I'll still be all right. Because I know from the Lord is where my help comes. And so I'll be all right. I will continue to bless him at all times. That means I'll bless him in the valley. That means I'll bless him in the mountaintop. That means I'll bless him when I got money in my pocket. And I'll bless him when I have absolutely nothing. And my account is in overdraft. I will bless him at all times. And because I will bless him, those who are not feeling so high will be able to be lifted up. That is what we are supposed to do as Christians. Our praise is supposed to elevate others' praises. That's part of the problem with praise right now. We have turned praise into entertainment. We are more concerned about the created one than the creator. So if they're not singing our favorite song, if they're not singing the song that we like, the way that we like, we don't praise as much. It ought not be about who is praising, but who we are praising. And it ought not just happen at church. You ought to be praising on your way to praise. You ought to be worshiping on your way to worship. It is not about you being entertained. It is about glorifying God. Isaiah tells us that our purpose is to glorify God. That's what we are created for. So this praising, this blessing at all times, the text moves on in the first three verses. is about praise, and it moves from praise to thanksgiving right around verse 4. Praise is to express a warm approval or a, a, a admiration of, to commend or express or applaud or to speak highly of, to congratulate of sorts, to express one's respect and gratitude for someone. And it's an approval or an admiration of someone for something. And so at the beginning of the text, blessing the Lord at all times and the praise is continually being in the mouth. We are praising God for who he is. But we move on from not only praising for who he is. We start with who, what, who he is. That's where we start. And then the text goes on to from praise to thanksgiving, which is an expression of gratitude. And the gratitude is being thankful Showing appreciation for or returning an act of kindness. So we move from who God is to what God has done. Uh, they are recounting in the text. The psalmist is recounting their own experience. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. And this poor soul is implying that the psalmist was not able to save himself. David was not able to just tell the king of Gath, who are you talking to like that? Do you know who I am? No, no, no. He had to deliver. He had to be delivered up out of the situation. Now, I know some of us in here are educated and we've finished school and we've going on to land great jobs and take care of our households and you know be able to work in nice places and pay bills and all of this good stuff and some of us even have letters behind our names or honorifics in front of it and we would like to think sometimes that we got there on our own but we did not We got here on the backs of others. We got here on the prayers of others. And not only that, we got here through the help of the Lord. The Lord was the one that gave us our strength and that's why he said this poor soul cried because he was in a situation where he thought he could do it himself. He had come up with a plan. He had talked to all these different people. He had done everything he could but still ended up having to hide in a cave. Our help Comes from the Lord and is saved from every trouble. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We ought to be able to ask our Father for help. It should be commonplace. We should have a relationship with Him so that it can be done. You're unable to get the benefits without the relationship. We're more comfortable giving money to somebody we know than somebody we don't know. Amen. So this poor soul cried, and then the angel of the Lord encamped around all those who feared him and delivered him. All those who feared the Lord. All those who knew the Lord. The fear is not like a being scared of, it's a reverence, it's a spending time with, it's a learning about, it's an understanding. it's 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 almost an adoration or a love more so and you don't get that without spending time. You don't get that without being around them. And that is the, the relationship brings the angels of the Lord to encamp around them. That's why it says that the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear them. There's a relationship, there's a reciprocity. There's some time spent together. And old taste and see. So we go from telling about who God is and then telling about what God has done to saying now you should experience it for yourself. There's a, there, there comes a time when you're not able to have somebody do something for you. There comes a time when you will not be able to get off of your uh, uh, ride in on your, your, your grandparents' coattails and ride on. You will have to develop your own relationship with yourself. You can't taste somebody else's food. I mean, you can taste it, but you won't experience the same thing they experienced. You have to see for yourself. They say that in in, 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 uh, in, in witness testimony is one of the most unreliable things in a court case because two people can be at the same situation and see two exactly different two exact opposite different things so you have to see for yourself I've learned it myself on the job because one of the things we do with projectors and TV monitors is we do something called color balancing which uh, is a process that you uh, make the two projectors, if it's two projector screens showing the same image, you balance them till they look alike, and you 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 adjust the red and the green and the blue levels until they come together. And I have learned that I and the person that color balance disagree on whether or not it looks good, because to me, after they color balance, it looks worse. But I've also learned that because of that, we all process things differently. We see things differently and so one person can look at a white piece of paper and it looks fine and white and another person looks at that white piece of paper and it's blue and another one looks at that white piece of paper and it's red and it's the same white piece of paper so you need to be able to see for yourself you need to be able to analyze this for yourself because looking to the Lord will make you vibrant it will make you radiant You'll be able to keep your head up when other people think your head should be bowed down. That's why the text says to look to the Lord and be radiant. So your faces shall never be ashamed. No matter what's going on, you'll be able to hold your head high because you understand that this life is only temporary and it's not yours. These people who are running around talking are not in control. That is why you'll be able to be Radiant. And be unconcerned about material possessions. I'm pretty sure by the time David got into that cave to pen that psalm, he was no longer concerned about what kind of house he was in. He was no longer concerned about what kind of servants he was going to have. I would even guarantee he was no longer concerned about being king whenever that was going to happen. He was concerned about his life. And he was concerned about his next meal. And he was concerned about having some protection upon himself so that if something were to happen out in the wild, he'd be able to defend himself. He got to his real base needs. When you go through processes, when you go through trials and tribulations, you begin to reevaluate what's important. At this men's retreat, I was talking to another person at our table and he shared he was a very, very successful executive. And he was talking about all the goals he had set in his life and the amount of money he was concerned about making and how all of that changed, even though he, was, he had achieved and had gotten high ranking and you know, commanding all kinds of thousands of people for organization and everything else. And he was a boss, but he ended up with prostate cancer. <laughs> And when he he was able to beat the prostate cancer, the Lord healed him from the prostate cancer. But what he said coming out of that situation was is all of a sudden where he worked and how much money he made and how many people he managed and how many people he led through the organization, all of that was no longer important. He was more concerned about taking refuge in the Lord. So you understand what is important. You understand what really matters in these kind of things. You understand what it means to bless the Lord at all times because you focus on him. Reminded of the hymn that says, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. As long as I live, when troubles rise, I will hasten to his throne. I really like that hymn because you pay attention to what's important. You pay attention to the Lord and you bless him at all times. And one thing that I like about it is the last verse of the hymn. It's not often sung because we like to sing it long meter. And that means it takes you about a half hour to get through. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. I like long meter songs. I'm not, I'm not down in long meter song. What I'm saying, but we know how we sing. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. If I started it up right now, we might get out of here by three o'clock. But that last verse of the hymn tells me what is important. It says, My God has saved my soul from death and dried my fallen tears. Now to praise his name, I'll spend my breath and my remaining years. It's about what is important. So, how, how am I supposed to do this? And, and what am I supposed to do? And when you ask about worship, well, they, they would say, Well, you are to bless the Lord. When am I supposed to bless the Lord? At all times. Well, how do I do that? Well, I let my mouth continue to praise him. Well, I don't really feel like how deep is this supposed to go? Well, my soul. It's supposed to go to my soul. My soul makes a boast of the Lord. Well, I don't really feel like I'm worthy of this. I'm a little low on the totem pole. That's all right, because the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Well, that's nice, man. You can go on and worship God by yourself. No, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, because that is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to bless the Lord forever, and we are supposed to bless the Lord together. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.